this week on The Startup Life. Uh, using uh, AI technologies, it is possible to realize that uh, ch- changing one letter uh, on a website is either a correction of a spelling error or if it is a change in the price. All right, Startup Nation, so let's take flight with Magnus Unimir, author of Data-Driven Marketing with Artificial Intelligence, The Startup Life, begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. Hey, Startup Nation. Do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own look, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. We got a special guest all the way from Sweden today, Magnus Unimir. How's it going, Magnus? I'm quite fine, and thank you very much for inviting me today. Awesome stuff, man. Awesome stuff. Are you ready to pour some knowledge in the Startup Nation today? Yes. Awesome stuff. So this is Dominic Lawson of the Startup Life Podcast brought to you by the Binge Podcast Network. So first things first, Magnus, tell us your story on your path to entrepreneurship and tell us how you got into what you do now. So the story actually started probably 30 years ago when I was uh, helping my parents in their family business uh, when I was a teenager by... um, got to manage for uh, marketing and uh, as it turned out uh, internet marketing which was still in its uh, early years at that time uh, in the 1990s Uh, i created the first uh, web shop uh, in 1999 which was pretty early i would say Um, then i went on to have a professional career in the uh, international software industry Um, i was uh, working uh, in marketing or international marketing for over 20 years and the last 15 years I was the co-owner and co-founder of a software company acting uh, the vice president of sales and marketing uh, building a distributor network in 50 countries and on some other interesting stuff but then uh, I left that company about one and a half years ago and started uh, my new company which is a solo entrepreneur business or a personal brand business if you like so I um, spend my time now helping companies uh, automate their sales and marketing processes um, using something called marketing automation, which is a fairly advanced type of internet marketing where software robots can automate the sales process such that we can harvest leads from the website and we can nurture them automatically towards the purchase with a kind of virtual sales guy that handholds or nurture leads uh, automatically using software robots. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. So let me ask you this, you know, like, you know, where did that fascination from like software and tech come from? Were you introduced to it as a child? Was it like a parent or mentor? Where did that come from? So my dad was an engineer uh, okay. when I was, uh, was a kid, but I was all, always interested in computers as a teenager. So I actually uh, went to, to the engineering university and uh, studied uh, software development and electronics design. 
and uh, I worked for, for over two decades in the software industry, so I had a very strong interest in advanced software, even though I was working in marketing most of the time. So I have one leg in the software development industry and one leg in, in marketing. And now that I work with uh, marketing automation, that's kind of a combination of both, because it's about using software technologies to improve the marketing results. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. So you really did get like the best of both worlds in that regard. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's, uh, it combines my two major interests, really. So uh, if I can use advanced software to improve the business results for, for my, my uh, customers, then, then I'm very happy and I get to work with the two things I like most. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, let me ask you this, man, because, you know, you, you're sought out all, you know, all over the world as a thought leader for your knowledge on AI, marketing, Internet of Things, and, you know, more as you, you know, because you've spoken in quite a few countries, Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, and all over mm-hmm. Europe and the United, here in the United States. So, yes. Magnus, let me ask you this, man. What's the number one thing, you know, people want you to discuss when they ask you to come speak at their seminars, conferences, or even when you give consultations? What's the number one thing they always ask you about? So, I think it varies over the years. Uh, nowadays, uh, I'm mostly talking about marketing of artificial intelligence because it's a very hot subject and it's a subject where not very many people uh, know too much about it because the people who know AI knows nothing about marketing and the marketing guys just doesn't understand AI uh, mostly. So I'm one of the relatively few people who have been specializing in, in marketing of AI. So, so that is a, a topic I'm usually invited to, to make speeches about these days. Um, okay. In terms of customers, they are usually a little bit more down to earth still, and they usually want marketing automation logic to be put in place on their website to automate their, their sales and marketing processes, um, basically to improve the lead generation and uh, the automate, uh, to automate the lead nurturing of those leads. So it's a little bit uh, different dependent on, on uh, when when in, in the history we talk about and what kind of customers we talk about right now. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I, I think, you know, what you provide for Startup Nation is, you know, a look into, you know, a, a lot of to what's to come, right? Like maybe they're not at that place right now in their business. Like, you know, we kind of talked a little bit off air about like, you know, for the, in, the enterprise level. But I, I think it's important for them to kind of see the things that's kind of coming down the pipeline. We Startup Nation, you know, we always talk about the entrepreneurial mindset and always talking about, uh, you know, not necessarily always just being stuck on the present, but also focusing on things to come, trying to anticipate, you know, certain things in your industry, you know, which can also in this case, when we talk to Magnus, uh, talking about anticipating those needs that maybe customers needs or maybe anticipating, you know, what the uh, new marketing may look like. So Magnus, I definitely appreciate that for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I-, I want to ask you this, man, because you've written, you know, five books, which is crazy, right? So uh, just to name some of those books, Turn Your Knowledge and Skills into a Profitable Online Business, uh, Mastering Online Marketing, and your latest book, Data-Driven Marketing with Artificial Intelligence, Harness the Power of Predictive Marketing and Machine Learning. So, you know, I want to dive into your latest book in just a second, but you know, there are a few people in Startup Nation who are considering writing books for themselves, right? Can you share any knowledge or experience on the, your process of writing a book and stuff like that? Absolutely. So my books are published on uh, on Amazon, which is fairly easy. Basically, you write the book, um, you have someone uh, to edit it, and you have someone to design the cover art, and then you just upload it 
Well, you create an account with Amazon uh, Direct Publishing, KDP, and then you upload the book. Um, I think that uh, I have to recommend anyone who wants to build a personal brand, uh, including any solo entrepreneur, to write a book. Um, it's quite easy. And uh, even if you don't have writing skills, the book editors will turn your crappy writing into perfect <laughs> uh, copy, let's say. And even uh, even uh, I am I'm not you know, speaking English natively. It's my second language because we speak uh, Swedish in Sweden. Gotcha. Um, my, uh, even my books have perfect English because we, we book editors uh, you know, do a fantastic job in turning your copy into really well-written uh, words. Um, there is one thing which is very hard in writing a book, uh, and that is something that anyone can overcome. But the really hard thing with writing a book is turning up each day and do the work. Mm. So turn up every day and do the one hour, two hours, three hours, whatever you decide, and do it every day until the book is completed. The uh, mindset to actually turn up every day and do the work is the most important part and the most difficult part. If you can do that, then anyone can write a book. Writing the book itself is not hard. Just start with a you know, bullet point outline in words and uh, you know, outline with chapters, and then you break down the chapter into sub-chapters, and then you have a skeleton of the book, and then you just add the copy uh, to each of the section you know, one by one, and then you have a book. Uh, but what is really hard is the mindset to actually turn up and do the work every, every day. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that, Magnus, for sure. So, you know, I, w- I want to dive into your latest book just a little bit. So, you know, uh, there's a chapter that uh, talks about, you know, how does marketing software use AI that discusses mm-hmm. gathering intelligence from your competitors as they're always leaving digital footprints. And so if mm-hmm. I could just read a little bit from it, it says the process of gathering, analyzing market and competitive intelligence clearly benefits from having the right tools and in artificial intelligence is well positioned to help. So I guess I'm curious, you know, uh, for those in Startup Nation, what are those tools? What do they exactly look like? And how can they help, you know, whether it be the small business owner or the enterprise level like you talked about? So if you talk about the digital footprint uh, on the internet, uh, the major problem here is the vast number of, of data points. So if you take one one competing company, especially if you're a larger enterprise grade company, then the digital footprint of any of your competitors or any of the customers of that company or the employees or former employees of that company or any media media site that mentions that uh, company or any review site where there are product reviews mentioning products from that company. Uh, it's so uh, so vast number of, of, uh, of uh, websites uh, to harvest and uh, you just can't do that manually. There is no company really that can put the, the, the staff in place to monitor all uh, activities around all your competitors, including partners, uh, including uh, influencers and, and uh, everything else. And there are AI-based tools that can harvest information from hundreds of millions of websites, and they do it every day. And they kind of find the needle in the haystack by using AI to understand the uh, meaning of English text on, on all those hundreds of millions of websites, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, trawling every night. And uh, it uses AI also to find which of those insights are meaningful and important to report to some human being and which, uh, which of findings or insights are really irrelevant. So take, for example, a competitor who have a pricing page on their website. Uh, using uh, AI technologies, it is possible to 
realize that uh, ch changing one letter uh, on a website is either a correction of a spelling error or if it is a change in the price. So if it's, okay. it's just a spelling error that was fixed, you don't want to report that uh, as part of your nightly uh, competitor intelligence report, let's say, because they just corrected a spelling error. Right. But if the competitor actually changed one number in the price, that is a price change, and that is very important and should be reported because that is a business insight that you want to be aware of in terms of your competitor analysis. So um, there are AI-based tools that can harvest hundreds of millions of websites every night. They trawl all the pages. They use something called natural language processing and natural language understanding, NLP and NLU, which is a subfield of AI to actually understand the meaning of the words on the web page. And then they use also AI to find uh, which of all the insights are actually worth to report. Gotcha. So what we man. basically can do with AI is, is to to do um, large scale or you know really really large scale uh, data harvesting that uh, just just can't be done by a human being. Okay. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Magnus, real quick follow-up question, if I may. You know, mm -hmm. when, you, when you talked about that, you know, AI tools that can kind of like do that data mining and, and find those differences in website and price changes, stuff like that. Is that something that uh, there, there are certain tools that can be affordable for the small business owner or is that, that price point still high and still really for that enterprise level right now? I think that specific tool or couple of tools I'm thinking about here is probably a little bit more the enterprise grade. Uh, I think they are a couple of thousand dollars a month or something like that. Okay. So maybe not for the solo entrepreneur, probably, uh, I would say, but uh, you don't need to be a Boeing or you know, uh, Ford <laughs> to afford them probably, but uh, <laughs> yeah, perhaps not the, not the absolutely smallest company. Gotcha. Okay. But it, it's quite possible that over time, that price point may come down to where, you know, you be able to afford something like that, right? Yeah, it will become commodity, uh, you know, in yeah. the next five years or something, for sure. Okay, cool, cool. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that for sure. So, you know, in another chapter, Big Data, uh, you talk about data being the new currency, right? You know, you talk about companies collecting data and just kind of, you know, uh, sitting on it to possibly use later. You know, you, you have a part that, that says we might find insights that save money, improve operational efficiency, or increase uh, customer satisfaction. Without that data, they you know, though, there can be no insights or advancement, right? So Magnus, for those organizations that don't embrace this new doctrine, and we're talking about those, those enterprise levels that we were talking about earlier, for those who don't embrace that data collection tool in their business, will they still be able to survive this new landscape and business that we're in, or will they be closing their doors in the next decade or even the next couple of years? I think it will be quite tough for them. And if they have uh, you know, strong competitors that use a lot of data, to find uh, insights and, and uh, use that to, to, to uh, deploy data-driven decision-making, then it will be quite hard. And we can see, for example, Amazon, uh, Google, and Facebook are all dominant to the point where they almost have a monopoly situation thanks to their data uh, collection capabilities and for their data mining capabilities. And it is purely due to that they are so dominant as they are already. So I think it will be quite hard if you don't start to collect a lot of data and, and uh, make uh, business insights from that. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, the reason I wanted to ask that question, like, you know, and like Magnus said, maybe those AI tools right now aren't really kind of in your price point right now. And that's okay. 
But I think it's also important that, you know, as a solopreneur or a, a small business that has about 25, 30 employees, I think it's important to learn from Amazon and learn what the big boys are doing and try to see maybe if you can't do exactly what they do in your business, but maybe you can replicate some of those activities in your business. Maybe you can't automate it, but maybe you can do something that somewhat replicates to give you an advantage on the people that are in uh, your competitive landscape. So Magnus, I appreciate that insight for sure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let me, let me ask you this last point, you know, I kind of want to, you know, take from your book. In your book, it states, you know, uh, under uh, when we talk about, you know, disruption and companies and stuff like that, although this isn't strictly part of using AI and marketing, it is important for business leaders and marketers to be aware of how AI can affect them in you know, other ways, too. If you aren't prepared for how AI might affect your company, then it won't matter how you execute your, you know, how you execute your marketing plan. So I guess what I'm curious about is what type of business and industries, in your opinion, Magnus, are primed to be disrupted, uh, if not possibly destroyed by AI? So I think that uh, autonomous self-driving cars will be very disruptive to many industries. Okay. Um, so this is uh, just an example, but uh, assume that all cars in 20 years' time uh, are in fact fully uh, self-driving and autonomous. That probably means that people will not buy their own car because they will rent on a kind of Uber subscription service whereby they press a button on their you know, iPhone app and there will be a car coming or it is even auto-scheduled due to your calendar uh, entries, right? So right. you will probably not buy your own car, but rather, you know, subscribe to some car sharing capability. Therefore, the need for new cars in the world may be reduced by 75 or 80% or something. Which, of course, means that the majority of the car manufacturers will be put out of business because there will not be such uh, large production volumes anymore. Um, It also means that these cars will be electric rather than having combustion engines. And they have something like 20 moving parts instead of 2,000 moving parts. So we will need a lot less service than the old-fashioned cars, which means that the garages will have a lot less to do partly because there will be you know, 75% less cars uh, on the roads, uh, but also because they have one-tenth of or one-hundredth of, of the number of moving parts that can break down. Right. Uh, but also if you have moving uh, self-driving cars, you don't need um, to have a police uh, that patrol the highway for speed uh, speeding, for example. Okay. So it will be uh, you know, redundant because self-driving cars will not drive too fast. Uh, they will not uh, park in illegal locations, so there is no need for parking. Uh, you know, control people. Oh, wow. uh, and therefore, therefore uh, <laughs> the factory that produces uniforms to police and uh, the parking um, parking control guys uh, have nothing to sell. Uh, as to the the software company that does software solutions for for the uh, police department, for example. Uh, additionally, uh, since there are 75% or something like that less cars being manufactured, that means that the uh, manage, machine manufacturers that create machines for car manufacturing plants have less to do. Um, there is a lot less uh, you know, uh, iron or metallic or aluminium that goes into the cars. So the steel works and the mines will have a lot less um, you know, products to sell to the car industry. Um, and, and, you know, it will... Be very disrupted, uh, disruptive down the uh, uh, manufacturing chain or the supply chain uh, to a level I think most companies haven't considered. I, I, for example, I don't think that 
companies manufacturing uh, machines for you know welding robots or or milling machines uh, for for metallic uh, you know uh, production i don't think they have considered that the autonomous self self driving cars may put their company out of business but they that may well happen got you thank you for sharing that and i, I think one of the compelling points that you you made in you know is that not only will this disruption with AI happen with, you know, like businesses and stuff like that, but you're taking, you're saying it can go a step further with like government and law enforcement. I never, I, I always think about like, you know, business, but I never thought of it that deeply. So I, I appreciate that answer for sure. I think that the U.S. Uh, government uh, already uses AI uh, to predict where uh, where and when a crime will be committed. For sure. If I remember For correct, sure. there are AI solutions deployed in California to start with where, where they predict uh, where uh, violent crime will happen. And uh, that is called predictive policing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had, they had that in New York City as well. So I, I'm definitely familiar with what you're talking about. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean to cut you off. Yeah. But you can see it also in the in industry. For example, uh, if you manufacture wind, windmill uh, plants and you sell uh, you know, a windmill to someone, yeah, heat and vibration sensors that gather information every second, uh, 24 by 7, uh, around the, the operation, operations of a windmill. And using AI analytics, we can analyze the vibration patterns and the heat patterns and correlate that to other windmills that broke down in the past. So therefore, by analyzing the vibration and heat patterns of a particular windmill, we can conclude that this specific windmill will probably break down three weeks from now because other uh, windmills with the same vibration and heat patterns did so in the past. So we can actually um, send automated uh, marketing emails to the owner of a windmill mm-hmm. and tell them to, to buy or order new spare parts in time uh, or even send out a service technician uh, in advance to prevent the machine from breaking down in the first place. Gotcha. Wow, that's that's fascinating, uh, Magnus. Thank you so much for sharing that for sure. So l- let me ask you this really quickly before we move on. Uh, you know, so I'm a big marketer at like a big corporation, like you know, FedEx, International Paper. Just pick one, right? So I'm a big marketer, a big corporation. Is my job about to come, become obsolete when you talk about AI marketing automation? I think that AI will be very disruptive in terms of the job market to mm-hmm. a level that uh, probably government officials, for example, haven't really considered and should start to plan for. Um, I think a lot of people will be put out of their job. Um, but I think the most important thing is that that the work tasks of people will probably change. Um, so, for example... Any job that is about analyzing data or making decisions based on analyzing data will be automated uh, very soon. So, for example, uh, SEO uh, SEO optimization, search engine optimization, is something that can be done probably much better by an AI robot that can analyze hundreds of millions of blog posts and compare what what they have done compared to your blog post and whether or not uh, your copy is likely to produce well on, on Google or not. Um, for example, there are AI robots that can purchase uh, ads on Google AdWords or Facebook, for example, automatically. Mm-hmm. They um, measure the return of investment maybe every every minute, 24 by 7, and move the ad budget across different channels. It swaps out the ad creative automatically and uh, generally uh, just optimizes the return of investment on your ad, ad spend in real time to a level no human being could possibly do better. Wow. So 
And, and a job that has to do with analyzing data or making decisions based on such data analysis will probably be automated very soon. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. So Startup Nation, if you want to purchase, you know, data-driven marketing with artificial intelligence, uh, you can purchase that from Amazon. And we have a link to the show notes for easy access. And we also have the link for all five of Magnus's books in the show notes for easy access as well for you to pick that up and, and kind of learn about different things from not just artificial intelligence, but the internet of things. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But right before we go to break, Magnus, you brought up something that I think is very important to uh, not just the U.S. workforce, but the workforce around the world. Uh, you talked about maybe governments, particularly maybe my government, haven't prepared for a world where AI and tech and stuff like that, type, you know, really take away those repetitive tasks or whatever. And so now that ter- the, the term or phrase universal basic income or UBI is starting to be thrown around uh, a little bit more to kind of replacing that, uh, that, uh, that income that people will have if their jobs are replaced with AI. So I guess I'm asking, you know, in your opinion, how close are we getting to a world where universal basic income is a real thing? So it's a prediction, of course, and it's a guess. For sure. Um, there is a, a very famous um, digitalist called Ray Kurzweil, who is an AI expert as well. And he predicts that by 2045, uh, AI-based software will be, quote, smarter, unquote, uh, than humans. So by 2045, uh, AI software will be smarter than human, human beings. Wow. And, uh, AI will then uh, be used to create even smarter AI software um, that will become smarter and smarter by an exponential rate which means that the intelligence gap between human beings and AI robots will increase uh, you know, very rapidly or exponentially, uh, such that we, by 2050 or something, are completely outperformed in terms of intelligence versus some of these AI robots. And whether or not, whether or not that will actually happen, it's, uh, you know, only time will tell. For sure. Uh, but for sure, AI uh, software will make better and better predictions and will be able to do more and more human tasks, and they will be able to do better and better um, decisions, which are data-driven and fact-based uh, rather than based on gut feeling. Um, and I think that uh, probably in 10 to 20 years, we will see a very, very um, disruptive force uh, in the job uh, job market, for, for, for example, but also in terms of uh, business models. Uh, I think that uh, a small number of companies that uses AI aggressively will be very dominant and we will probably see a um, situation where a small number of companies will take monopolies more or less and it will be very very hard for any new small companies to start to compete with these uh, big companies because they just don't have as much data therefore they will make less optimized decisions uh, and therefore they can't really challenge the big companies that have all the data. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, like Magnus said, that is a prediction. It's not one of those things where it's definitely going to happen, but it is something that you do need to pay attention to. And Magnus, I appreciate that answer for sure. Thank you. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. How you like being on the startup life so far, Magnus? Excellent. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're getting great value from Magnus's content, but we got to pay a few bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson. Listen to the Startup Life Podcast, and it is powered by the Binge Podcast Network.
Hey business owner, the Startup Life reach is growing. Wouldn't you like your business to grow with it? Reach out to us to advertise on the Startup Life. You can reach us at 901-857-4818 or you can email me at dominic at askalsolutions.com. I mean, don't get me wrong, like this is a great music to have break on, but wouldn't this break sound a lot better with the same music, but your business being advertised on it? Need more content from the Startup Life, you say? You can now sign up for the Startup Life All Access Pass on the Binge Podcast Network's Patreon page. There is exclusive content written by yours truly, video content where I share even more of my business philosophies, and whatever crazy content I can think of out of that crazy head of mine. And at only $5 a month, yeah, $5 a month, this is more content for you, Startup Nation, to really get ahead of your competition. So instead of upsizing that meal at your favorite fast food joint, you can now invest in yourself on your path to entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to sign up. All right, Startup Nation, so let's continue. So Magnus, when people go to your website, unimir.com, they will see that you offer quite a few services. Now, I understand these services are for, you know, mostly for the enterprise level, but you also do speaking engagements and stuff like that. But, you know, Mm -hmm. explain to, you know, a startup nation what those services look like and what kind of value people will be getting. So I actually work with quite quite a few small and medium-sized companies as well. Um, so I work with marketing automation, and I help companies uh, introduce marketing automation in, in their business or you know install it behind their website, let's say. And uh, marketing automation is about automating the sales and marketing processes uh, such, such that we get an automated lead generation machinery from a website. We get an automated lead nurturing system that basically puts your business or your business growth on autopilot. Now, uh, in in practice, that basically means that you have to install a lead generation system on your website, and that is not any particular software product. That is a way or or a concept to get more of your anonymous website visitors to tell you who they are, um, basically asking them to register their contact information in a form. Since no one really uh, submits their contact information on a newsletter subscription form anymore we need to give them a more compelling offer or we need to find an incentive for them to register and we do that by offering an ebook or some you know pdf download of some sort or some free webinar for example um, to make people sign up for for those services or those downloads and when we have the lead in the database we can start to nurture them automatically we can start to send follow-up emails that build trust, build authority, educate them in the direction we want them to be educated uh, prior to their purchase decision. And what we basically do is that we create flowchart logic that decides which type of emails will be sent to any particular person. And whatever they get onwards depends on how they have behaved now. So for example, if we uh, offer a free webinar we can send our automated reminder emails uh, one day and one hour before the webinar. Uh, but after the webinar, we can check uh, with flowchart logic and see did uh, a particular person actually attend to the webinar or not. And then we send different follow-up emails uh, to that person, dependent on if they actually attended to the webinar or if they didn't. So if they didn't attend, perhaps we send a couple of emails offering a, a, a um, a recording of the webinar. Um, if they did attend, we can send uh, some emails with a, uh, a soft sales message, perhaps pushing them to an online calendar where they can book a consultation call. Um, we can also measure the activity level of every 
lead uh, or website visitor such that we get a score of how hot or warm every website visitor seems to be. So gotcha. For example, we can uh, give one point for visiting a, a page. So if someone comes and, and uh, clicks around and visits 10, 10 pages on the site, they get 10 points. If I open an email, that would give, for example, three points. Downloading a PDF would get would get 10 points. Uh, and as someone clicks around and do more things, we calculate how much they are doing and assigning different scores to different activities. Compare the activity level between different leads and therefore judge that one particular lead seems to be more interested than another one. We can use that lead score, as that is called, uh, to prioritize, for example, which lead should the sales guy call next, such that he spends the time on the leads that seems to be most uh, most interested to buy soon. But we can also use that calculation to trigger automated email sequences. So, for example, anyone who is 25% ready to buy as a guesstimated value, uh, we can send a soft sales message, perhaps pushing them to a webinar. When they click around for the next three to four months, they get more uh, points because they do more things. And when they reach 50% of lead score, when we send them a sequence of of, uh, emails with a harder sales message, perhaps we offer a free consultation call. Whenever that person do more things and reach the lead score level of 75%, and we don't do anything with that person, rather we send an email to the sales guy and tell the sales guy that this lead now has the... Uh, activity level or the lead score of 75%. So please, Mr. Sales Guy, uh, call this lead tomorrow and follow up because we think he's he's, uh, quite close to buy now. So we can design automated follow-up logic by creating flowcharts where we listen to what everyone does on the website and we can respond and uh, change the behavior dependent on the digital footprint of anyone. So that is uh, basically to automate the sales process and we do that by creating flowchart logic, and, and this is called to create sales funnels. We can also install Tripwire on the website. So, for example, if someone comes to the pricing page, we can detect that and then send uh, one or two nurturing emails to that person, maybe after three days, because we don't want to send the email at the very same second they come to the pricing page, because that would be creepy. So we detect that someone visits the pricing page, they wait two days, and then we send a sequence of free follow-up emails that, uh, you know, tries to, to push that person over the fence and then buy, for example. So marketing automation is about creating automated systems that uh, convert our anonymous website visitors into leads and then nurture those leads automatically to the point when they are ready to buy. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Startup Nation, as you can see, that's a lot of value that you can use in your business uh, as you go forward on your path to entrepreneurship. Once again, that website is unimir.com. Um, we have a link in the show notes there for easy access. Now, Magnus, you also have like the, the marketing automation success formula guide. Tell people what, we, what kind of value Startup Nation will get from that guide. So the marketing automation success formula is, uh, is a formula I have put together with five steps. And it explains on a fairly you know, um, high level uh, what you need to do to become successful uh, in your internet marketing such that you can get more business results out of your website. So it's about how to build a lead generation system that that converts anonymous website visitors into leads uh, or contacts in your lead database. It uh, explains how you could automate your sales processes uh, to nurture those leads automatically for weeks or months. Even if they never come back to the website again, we can still contact them using email, for example, and nurture them 
uh, for months. Um, it also explains how we can install Tripwire and become data-driven, um, such that we can trigger more uh, follow-up sequences dependent on what people do on the website, for example. And it also explains the value of integrating other IT systems with your marketing automation system. For example, to integrate webinar platform, online calendars, CRM systems, e-commerce uh, platforms, such that the marketing automation system can make really smart decisions on what to send to any specific person at what specific time. So it's about uh, sending less emails, it's about spamming less, and to improve the customer experience by becoming more relevant and sending the right information to the right person at the right time. Got you. Thank you for sharing it. I appreciate that for sure. And Startup Nation, that link for the Marketing Automation Success Formula Guide is there also. That link is there in the show notes for easy access for you to click on and get that value from Magnus and his website for sure. So Magnus, on your website, you also have a blog where, you know, we can go back to AI for just a little bit. On your mm -hmm. blog, you talk about AI and, and fundraising for nonprofits. And that mm -hmm. piqued my interest because uh, here in Memphis, I do a lot of volunteer work uh, for nonprofits here in the city. And so mm -hmm. I guess I'm curious to know, like, how can nonprofits use AI to help fundraise? So uh, this blog post is about a specific product uh, okay. that I'm not affiliated with uh, as such, uh, but there are uh, probably several, but in this particular case, uh, one specific software product that uses AI uh, to optimize the fundraising activities. And uh, it basically has to do with understanding uh, what uh, outreach to make to every specific person you would invite to a fundraising event, how much money to ask for, uh, with any specific person and which kind of uh, offer uh, most likely will resonate well with any specific person. So it's about personalizing the outreach uh, and, and trying to contact different uh, donors uh, in different ways. Um, and, and that will then optimize the total amount of money being uh, collected for the, for the uh, fundraising effort. Got you. Thank you for sharing that for sure. Now, Magnus, you've also created uh, a marketing automation made easy course uh, that small businesses can use as well. Tell us why you made that course and what can purchasers expect from uh, taking your course? Yeah, so I think that uh, a major problem with marketing automation, uh, there's actually two major problems with marketing automation. Okay. One is that many, many people, even experienced uh, you know, marketeers, don't know that marketing automation exists. Okay. Um, so they don't know what they don't know, so let's say. For sure. Uh, but if, if they know what marketing automation is, uh, some people seem to be quite intimidated because it's about creating flowchart logic and it seems like really, really spooky. Um, so I have found that there is a huge need for training materials on what marketing automation is and how you can use it to automate your own sales and marketing processes. Um, and therefore, I created this online course, which is uh, over 70 videos, uh, in fact, that will teach you uh, everything uh, on marketing automation. And it starts on a very basic level. Uh, anyone will be able to follow, uh, follow along. Uh, and in the end, you will have a fairly, fairly good grasp of, of even the more advanced concepts. But it's a, it's a good overview of what marketing automation is, uh, what it can do, and what you can expect from marketing automation software products you may want to buy for your own business. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. And once again, Startup Nation, that link for the course, if you want to sign up for it, is there in the show notes uh, for easy access as well. 
Now, Magnus, you know, you wrote a book talking about the Internet of Things. And Startup Nation, if you're not familiar with the Internet of Things, IoT, essentially it's one of those things where uh, you're like your everyday objects from like your refrigerator to, you know, a multitude of TV and a multitude of things is kind of connected and like has data that be retrieved and stuff like that. Magnus, did I, did I explain that correctly? Yes, it's about uh, connecting ordinary products to the internet. It can sure. be anything from, you know, kitchen gadgets like the microwave oven, the uh, refrigerator, to the burglar alarm, or even uh, even the light bulbs. Uh, nowadays, it can be for sure. Thank uh, you. Connected. For sure. It's about the uh, connect connected uh, connecting industrial machinery. Um, pre- pretty much anything that has any sort of electronics inside it. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and so I, I wanted to kind of you know, kind of had that definition before I asked my next question, but I want to share a, a short story. Uh, well, not a short story, but just add some uh, uh, antidote to it. So the thing is, is that like, you know, when we talk about that, you know, the internet of things, you know, I found it extremely fascinating because I first found out about it when they were talking about, you know, that, you know, doctors can use it in the medical uh, space to kind of see how, uh, like, if you break a bone, you have a cast, like you have things in the cast that can kind of monitor the healing process almost in real time. And mm-hmm. uh, I actually have, uh, from my time in the army, I uh, developed a heart condition. So I have uh, an ICD or a pacemaker, if you will. And so I know it's connected to uh, a device that sends that information to where I don't have to go to the doctor. It sends the information to the doctor so they can see, you know, how my heart is doing and monitoring and stuff like that. However, what does scare me about the Internet of Things is the fact that, like, you hear people who have, like, pacemakers or a, a medical device like mine, and those things getting hacked, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I guess what I'm curious about, and just, you know, kind of your opinion, is there an ethical limit for how far-reaching technology should go? Yes and no. I think the ethical limit is maybe not so much related to the ethical limit by itself, but rather uh, the cause of the security problems uh, related to Internet of Things and other Internet-connected stuff. So I don't think it is by itself a problem that your pacemaker is connected to the Internet. Mm-hmm. But uh, if the device is uh, insecure, then that can create some serious consequences. Additionally, if you have a heart condition and your pacemaker is connected to the Internet, if that data that is collected by that uh, pacemaker comes into the wrong hands, such as the government, it doesn't need to be due to security problem in the device. It can be the government uh, of some country suddenly decides that by law, now need to watch uh, the data from every pacemaker. And therefore the government, if it's a not very nice government, may then start to make conclusions about you based on data that is harvested from internet-connected sensors, perhaps even inside your body. So, for example, uh, you may not be able to to buy an insurance uh, uh, if your pacemaker indicates that you have a more serious heart condition than expected, for example, and therefore uh, the the insurance company refused to give you health insurance. Yeah, so I think the, 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 the problem of actually connecting devices to the internet is, is by itself not an ethical problem, but, but the, uh, the data that can, can be spread to the wrong hands uh, from those IoT devices can well become uh, even a serious uh, you know, ethical problem. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. 
Really quickly, Magnus, in, indulge me a little bit here because I like video games, right? Love video mm-hmm. games. Always have since mm-hmm. I was a kid. And virtual mm-hmm. gaming is become, you know, starting to become, a, you know, uh, uh, really, you know, uh, gain steam in the video game space. And AI has got even more complex in video games over the years. So mm-hmm. I, I guess, how do you see gaming being pushed to the limit by AI over the next couple of years? Like, you know, how far do you think AI can really like, you know, make video games better, different, or whatever the case may be in your opinion? I think it will be used probably to to uh, make the scenery much more, uh, let's say, real. Okay. Uh, objects or, or, you know, animals or people in, inside the game will probably act and react much more humanly. Uh, I think we will feel much more inside a real world as opposed to just a virtual world. Because the virtual world will act, look, and behave uh, so much more like the real world, uh, probably. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. So, Magnus, I know that you travel a lot for work, but where do you like to uh, travel for leisure, just for fun? Uh, I love Southeast Asia. Um, okay. Been, um, to Southeast Asia, you know, a couple of times every year since uh, for 25 years. And my brother uh, lives in Singapore, so I kind of had to go there a couple of, of times every year to visit him, right? Gotcha. Um, but I love uh, very much uh, some of the more uh, remote islands of Thailand. Uh, Laos have some very, very nice uh, scenic villages uh, in the mountains. Vietnam have some really, really nice islands. Uh, Indonesia as well, Bali, Lombok, for example. Uh, and even Philippines have some fantastic uh, tropical beaches. Uh, so um, I enjoy staying anywhere in Southeast Asia, really. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. So, Magnus, I, I think all entrepreneurs have a superpower. What's yours and why? I think that I don't give up. I just continue to spend more hours, throw more hours on the problem. Uh, which maybe can sometimes be a problem as well because uh, Fair enough. You, you need to, to have rest sometimes. But I, I don't give up. I just put in more hours to, to solve a problem. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. So before I ask you this last question, Magnus Unimar, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I think you gave some amazing content and some valuable content, you know, in the world, in the space of like AI, the Internet of Things and how tech is really changing our businesses and, you know, in some instances, like you said, our government. So I really appreciate you sharing all of that today for sure. And once again, this is Dominic Lawson of the Startup Life Podcast brought to you by the Binge Podcast Network. So my last question, Magnus, I'm actually going to turn my microphone over to you and I mm-hmm. want you to talk to Startup Nation because there's an entrepreneur who's about to give up and, and, and they really need that motivation to keep going. Give them some words of encouragement today. So I've been an entrepreneur myself for 20 years or so, and uh, I know very well how hard it can be, and uh, perhaps too well even. Um, But if you uh, pursue your dream and you actually keep doing it, eventually you will reach success. You may have to pivot once or even twice, um, but there will be no success without the pain first. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. And that's going to wrap up this session of the Startup Life. Did you enjoy being on the show, Magnus? Very much so. And thank you so much for inviting me as well. No worries. No worries. All right, Startup Nation. So here's my final take. When it comes to Magnus Unimir and what he brought to the Startup Life today, I think of two things. One is don't be afraid to find that one thing that you're good at and really drive that point home startup nation a lot of times as entrepreneurs we try to do multiple things and sometimes we have to do multiple things but you know magnus is a thought leader 
and a go-to person when it comes to artificial intelligence and he owns that the second thing is startup nation that look just because you can't afford something like magnus's uh services and stuff like that does not mean you can't you know at least learn about artificial intelligence or things that are coming down the pipeline because just because you can't afford it now doesn't mean you can't afford it later and when you can't afford it later that means you're already in the know on how to use artificial intelligence or anything else for that matter and really propel your business forward if you want to let us know what you think about the show have an idea for a show topic or like to advertise on our show please send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is here in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as can be now be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or whatever your favorite platform to get your podcast on. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. Also, don't forget to sign up for the Startup Life All Access Pass to get exclusive content. This is exclusively on the Bench Podcast Network's Patreon page. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. Looks like you're hanging around for some more content, huh? Well, here you go. The technical side of what I do within the Double Stack program is in addition to showing people how can you build like a really nice WordPress site, how do you do like how do you host it, how do you secure it, how do you do the backups, how do you do like a staging environment so you don't have to edit live sites, you know, that kind of stuff. We walk through that. But the real focus is, you know, what kinds of technical tools can you put in place that drive business results for your clients? That, my friends, is Lee Blue. WordPress guru. So Startup Nation, if you want that episode, go ahead and subscribe to the Startup Life right now on any of your major podcast platforms. So that way, when that episode is available, it'll be right there waiting for you. So in the meantime, Startup Nation, get out of here. Your company's waiting on you.